you are listening to pushing beyond the obvious where we help entrepreneurs succeed uh, hi jill thanks for taking time and talking to us today i'm so glad to be here uh, talking to somebody from across the world from me <laughs> yeah and we're doing this for the second time i'm i had a blast uh, uh, listening to the uh, conversation uh, that we had last time around i just did that to kind of prepare myself and brush up on some some of the topics that we touched upon and it was really a blast and i'm hoping that we will have a blast today again i'm sure we will <laughs> so, so what are uh, we going to talk Jill, about uh, <laughs> so we are going to talk about uh, number one uh, uh, is sales because of course if you are talking to you it's going to be all about sales and we are going to talk about your latest book uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your book and why did you have to write that book and why now <laughs> well let me just tell you that that the book more sales less time was not actually started out to it didn't actually start out to be a book it actually started out as a project to help me gain control of my time cuz i was spending all day working. I don't, I don't know if you feel like that, but I mean, like literally from the moment I got out of bed, my cell phone was in my hand. And, and at 11 o'clock at night, before I'd go to bed, I'd be checking emails. And I was exhausted the way I was working. Do you feel that way ever? All the time. Who doesn't? Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I was finding out. And I thought something was wrong with me. I mean, it's like, Good Lord, Jill, I'd say to myself, you used to be rather organized and now you just can never, ever seem to get on top of it. You're always behind. There's always more to do. There's more emails. Everybody wants your time. You know, it's like you're being pulled in a million directions. And I just, I was so fed up with my own life that I, um, that I actually said, I have got to do something about that. This is no way to live. And so I started, you know, studying all sorts of things. And I literally, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a nerd. And so when I tackle a project like that, I will go in and explore everything that there is to know about that, including like neuroscience and cognitive science and psychology and anything that might be related to the problem that I'm having, because I I immerse myself. I mean, that's the way I work to try to get the bigger picture and then to narrow it down to what really matters. And, and so that's exactly what I did. And it was fascinating what I discovered. I mean, I, that's all I can tell you. It was like fascinating. It's like, oh my God, first of all, it's not just me. You know, this is a problem that everybody is facing, like you said. And, and secondarily, the, the one thing that hit me like a, 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 a total shock was that it wasn't my fault, although I could do something about it. But the fact that it wasn't my fault, when I learned how our brain actually works, and the fact that, you know, we have different parts of our brain that do different functions, and what we really want in sales, if we're going to be the best seller that we can be, we want our, our prefrontal cortex, which is the front of our brain, it's the newest part of our brain. Um, the, the one that can come up with good strategies, that can analyze competitive situations, that can figure out how to get buy-in with a large group of people, <laughs> can, you know, that, that kind of thing that plans and thinks and strategizes. And, and um, that's what we want to control and to be running the show. But what happens when we get online 
is that our prefrontal, not our prefrontal cortex, our, 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 um, the base part of our brain, the part that's the oldest part of our brain jumps to the forefront. It's the amygdala. And it says, wait a minute, there's all sorts of new things on here. My job as the amygdala is to protect you from new things that could hurt you. And so when you go online, the amygdala jumps to the front and it's re- the amygdala is actually rewarded for noticing new things. That's pretty nerdy, isn't it? <laughs> yes, and, and uh, in trying to protect us, it ends up hurting us by it ends up, uh, yes. getting us to go into rat hole, rabbit holes. And you know, uh, uh, by the time you come out, it's already three hours down. Yes. And that's exactly what's happening. That amygdala jumps to the forefront and says, I got it. I got it, brain. I'm going to take this thing. And, you know, we go on to our email and there's an email from LinkedIn. I get my LinkedIn email every morning. And and already today I've gotten sucked down a little rabbit hole, you know, because there was an article that captured my attention. And I followed that. And then there was another rabbit hole that, you know, I was reading that article and that led me to be curious about something else. And pretty soon, you know, I wasted about 20 minutes Fortunately, I had a deadline. I had to get ready to talk with you. So I was able to close that rabbit hole down. But but what I found when I looked at my own behavior is that literally I could start out an email, follow you know, a link to, to LinkedIn, for example, and then follow that link to something else. And then I would suddenly think to myself, oh, I'm, I'm going to be traveling to Boston tomorrow. I wonder what the weather is like in Boston. And I pull out my cell phone because I'm on my computer (laughs) and I look up the weather in Boston. And as I'm looking at the weather app, there's something about a a major sinkhole, a video about a major sinkhole that's that just ate four more cars. And and suddenly I'm watching a video on sinkholes (laughs) in some place in the world that I could care less about, you know? And and it's just like, how did this happen? Huh? I said, I know how all of this feels like. I mean, uh, I have been following uh, uh, BJ Fogg and uh, Nireal and yes. and all the input that they are giving to product developers uh, to make products that are habit-forming. And oh. there is enormous amount of brain power going into sucking us into this rabbit hole. And it it is amazing uh, how how much... How many smart people are doing all it can take out of them to ensure that we remain there in the rabbit hole? Yes, I know. I mean, mean, all these smart people, that is their job to find out how to suck us in. And and then what I find fascinating is once our brain gets so fragmented, like, you know, we're just jumping here, jumping here, jumping there, you know, and we're constantly used to bouncing and not focusing, then we're not doing, first of all, we're not doing our job in sales well, because we're not thinking like we should be thinking. Uh, Research shows that if you're constantly involved in email and texting, that it can actually drop your IQ. And, And for women, it can drop their IQ. IQ about five points, but for men, it drops your IQ 15 points to be constantly bouncing, just bouncing from task to task. And if you think that you're in a competitive sales situation and you are 15 IQ points stupider than you were before, how is that going to impact your ability to come up with um, ideas that will help your clients um, progress the buying process as opposed to 
you know, just here's the, here's the usual stuff I say in this situation. So it's, it's devastating to our work. This distraction is devastating to the quality of our thinking that goes into our work. And in today's business environment, that is the differentiator, who we, what we are, who we bring to the, you know, what we, ideas, insights, and information we bring to our customers. That's what makes us different, not our products or services. But you know what, Jill, uh, again, there is a, a bit of a <coughs> challenge there because uh, on one side, we want to uh, be able to get those insights, right? In order to do that, yes. we need to have perspectives. We need to understand um, our customers' businesses. And in order for us to do that, we have we typically today uh, go online, check out yes. their websites, check out the seller, the buyer's uh, LinkedIn profiles, their Twitter accounts, understand what their challenges are, what their businesses are, who their competitors are, who our competitors are, what our products and services are. <laughs> and all of this today happens online. And yes. there, again, there is, a, there is this large set of really smart guys working uh, really hard to keep us away from doing exactly what needs to be done. And all of that, again, you know, this seems to be a bit of a... Uh, uh, you know, what you call uh, uh, a loop where, you know, uh, it becomes more and more difficult to get out of. So yes. what's the solution? How do you get well, out of that, this yeah, loop? That was, that's what was interesting to me because, you know, I, I studied time management techniques too. And what I found with, with the time management stuff is that they didn't realize that salespeople had to live in a digital environment. I mean, that is where we live, you know, and, and just like all the examples of how you need to be online are, are crucial. So we can't not be in a digital environment and time management says, well, don't just turn your computer off for a while. It's like, that's stupid. That's our job to be there. So what I really spent a lot of time studying is how to reduce the number of distractions in my life so it became tallow and I became in charge of my life again. And, and it was a fascinating journey to do that because, um, first of all, it required me to I mean, get a baseline of where I was at. And one of the apps I used, and I don't know if you've heard of this, but Rescue Time. Mm -hmm. You heard of that app? No, I haven't. Okay, it's a... It's a, you can get a free version or you can pay like $9 a month for um, a more detailed version. But with Rescue Time, for example, if you're working on your computer primarily, it will show you where you're spending your time online It'll, on your computer. If you're using Excel spreadsheets, if you're using Microsoft Word, if you're using, um, if you're on uh, your, if you're on LinkedIn, you know, it, what it'll show you where your time is spent during the day and how it lays out. So you get a real benchmark of what your time was. And Truthfully, what I found with Rescue Time is that my day was so fragmented that it was just embarrassing. I mean, I was bouncing from here to here to here, but that was my benchmark. And that's where I was to start with. And then the process became, okay, what do I need to do to, to regain control of this schedule? And the first thing I had to do was think of what can I do to minimize the distractions? Because it's human nature to follow the distractions. So I mean, a couple of the things that I did that were really helpful was, and this is the simplest one of all, it's turn off your notifications. How many mm. notifications do you have going at any one time? Are you 
binging and pinging and popping up all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so this is something that I learned long back, uh, and uh, I don't have any notifications on my phone for sure, you are... and on my laptop, uh, I only have one notification, which is um, uh, if my wife sends me a message, I get a notification, or if my boss sends me a, a message, I get a notification. Otherwise, all so... other notifications are gone. Yeah, you are so smart because re the reality shows that only fifteen percent of people are altering their notifications at all on their cell phones. And most people think they have to be totally wired all the time, always on. And notifications are the worst thing because that's every time you get a ping or a pop up or whatever, it pulls you mentally away from the task you were working on. And then the recovery time is, is 10 to 20 times longer than the time you spent. So even if you only spent 10 seconds looking at that notification, um, it takes you 100 seconds or 200 seconds to get your head back in the game. So the first thing I'd suggest to people is turn off notifications. When I did, and I don't know if you felt this too, it was, it was like I was regaining control of my life. I mean, everybody wasn't demanding and screaming for my attention. Did you feel that no, way too? When I did, no, when I did that, I felt withdrawal symptoms. Just like yes. an alcoholic would feel the withdrawal symptoms. I was like, Okay, what's happening? I'm, I'm, uh, uh, am I missing something? Is my yes. uh, boss trying to reach me? Is my customer trying to reach me, and I'm not responding back? Will will that mean that you know uh, that impacts my uh, KPI? Uh, I mean, it took <laughs> me at least four weeks for me to get uh, to a state where uh, I was okay not having these notifications on my phone, and it was okay that you know. Uh, I realized that you know nothing. The world doesn't break if I don't check my email or if I don't check my Twitter feed. Having said that, it's not that I don't do them anymore. I continue to do them, but I do them when I want to. When I want to check the email, when I want to do Twitter or LinkedIn yes. or Facebook, and not when somebody sends me a tweet or um, uh, sends me an email. Yeah, made a, See you. a lot of difference. It makes a huge difference. And I agree with you with, regarding the withdrawal symptoms because I felt that as well. It was like a panic. It was almost like a panic attack the first couple of days. Like I was, you know, breathing kind of heavy, like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then you ultimately realize that the world isn't going to fall apart because you don't um, respond within six seconds. And I think if you look at research on um, response time on emails, the average 72% of people um, pay attention to an email within six seconds of receiving it. Pay attention. <laughs> so they get that notice, they, they click on over and they look at the, the message that just came in. Six seconds. I mean, everybody says, well, this is about being responsive to your customers and the people who are most responsive are the ones who are winning. And that's not really true if you're you know, if you're selling things that require strategy and thought and customer buy-in, et cetera. I mean, nobody needs you within six seconds. Nobody. In fact, I, mean, I uh, think they uh, think you're times... pathetic if you respond that fast. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems as if you, you had nothing else to do and you're just waiting for someone to send you an email and uh, so that you find some work to do. Yeah. Oh, yes. And, and you know, what's interesting <laughs> what you just said. We feel good doing all those little things because, again, our, our body rewards us with dopamine, a feel-good hormone, every time we do something little and we can check it off our list. So we get all this high 
this excitement from doing all these trivial little things that don't matter. And, and that's where we're just losing all of our best time doing the, the, the irrelevant stuff, but we check it off our list and get it done. So, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I understand that, you know, removing notification is one strategy, uh, you know, trying to ensure that, you know, you check your emails maybe once, twice or thrice, depending upon uh, how responsive or how what your organization expects you to uh, is another. But uh, uh, it still doesn't help us because as sales, ex- as sales execs, we still need to live on the online world. We still need to go to LinkedIn. We still need to go to Twitter. We still need to go to uh, all the other online places. So how do you, how do you think um, we can regain or I would not even say regain. I mean, I would, how do you think as a sales guy, I can do all of that yet not get sucked into the rabbit hole? Yeah. Well, first of all, you're always going to be tempted to be sucked into the rabbit hole. So um, you need to realize that, that that is an ongoing temptation. But I would say that the one thing that we really need to focus on is batching our work. And by batching our work, I mean uh, saying, okay, I'm going to be doing my research on LinkedIn you know, and on my clients from nine to 10 o'clock in the morning, you know, just give yourself an hour to do the research. And rather than going in and out, you know, all the time, have one hour set aside and know what you're specifically going to do in that hour. You need to check on this particular company and this particular company, you need to check on their competitors, you need to, you know, check on who the people are, learn something about the, the, the executives or the buyers that you'll be involved with. And really put it into a time slot and put it on your calendar. And and this is called time. It's a time blocking technique. But what we're trying to do is to put like work together because you become more efficient at it. If you have a, if you have a, um, an end time, like I'm going to do it from nine to 10 and then I have to go do something else. You won't linger so long you will go in and get what you need search it out and then know you have to check on these other things too and so even just keeping a running list next to you on it throughout the day about things you need to check on and then put it into your research time and and just block out time maybe a half an hour in the morning half an hour in the afternoon it really depends on what you're selling and, and the complexity and how often you need to do it um, but set up times where that is all that you do, all that you do, that, you know, you're not bouncing in an email, you're just in research mode. Interesting. So just that research mode is when uh, you are focused, uh, you're not uh, uh, distracted, you know exactly what is expected out of you. Uh, You know that there is a certain limited amount of time that you have to do all of that. So which keeps you still focused and not uh, wander away into the rabbit hole. That's right. a very interesting strategy to uh, to take, and so the other thing which brings out all of this is also uh, Jill that you know after uh, we are so fragmented in our thought process uh, in what we do that it becomes more and more difficult to think, more and more yeah. difficult to actually uh, synthesize whatever we have learned online. It is becoming more and more difficult to find insights out of whatever it is that we have seen. Uh, and that is probably a bigger uh, um, challenge that I'm seeing in a lot of sales executives 
uh, that you know they're they're so focused on uh, all these uh, uh, you know distractions that that ability to think through the ability to in uh, get gain insights and uh, the ability to uh, understand things at a deeper level seems to be going down significantly so have you it seen is, that uh, yes absolutely as well? yeah I, I mean i've seen it so much and, and i even felt it with myself the quality of my own thinking was deteriorating because i was thinking and i don't know i just wasn't even coming up with good thoughts anymore for a while it's like i'm just exhausted <laughs> from this work and stressed out and and it was just too hard to do it and so i'm seeing that all over the place all over the place and 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 you know, literally, as I thought about it from a sales perspective, the number one thing we have to do is we have to shut down the distractions. We have to close the door on ourselves so we cannot be distracted as much as we typically are during the course of the day. And and in the book, I talk about a lot of different ways, but killing and stopping distractions is a way to rescue one to two hours of extra time per day for the average person. So, you know, interesting. So, yeah, but uh, one, how do you uh, counter the? Go on, please. Hmm? No, go on. I'm sorry. No, I mean that's what research is showing that it's, it's easy to waste one to two hours a day going down these rabbit holes, and and by the way, not only are you going down the rabbit holes and losing that time, but your time spent online is is stressful and it's not restful to the brain. And the brain actually gets worn out and we don't give it a rest. We just keep plowing through and trying to get it done because we know we have so much more. So we sit in front of our computer and keep, you know, trying to wrestle something out of our brain that it won't come out. And, and that's the exact wrong strategy. I mean, our brain wears out over a period of time. We need to stop and refresh it. Interesting. That's a whole different strategy. (laughs) because <laughs> huh? I personally feel I personally feel uh, uh, um, what has made a big difference for me and for a few guys who I know are really really good at uh, whatever they do is that uh, instead of trying to be extra productive which means that you know instead of trying to do a lot of things in a limited amount of time uh, what we have ended up doing is uh, we focus on a certain kind of activities and slow down in terms of you know how we work so instead of trying yes. to maximize output uh we have started thinking in terms of maximizing impact and that i think one strategy by itself has had a significant impact yeah one of the things that i talk about in my book is a is a question in terms of a focusing question which would be you know basically what is the one thing i can do today or this week that would have like the single biggest impact on, on what we're doing, you know, on, on what I'm trying to achieve. And, and even yeah, such and, that I, and, go ahead. I mean, this is, this is such a simple thing. I mean, uh, uh, Stephen Covey had written this uh, uh, long, long back that, you know, you need to focus on your quadrant two activities, which is the high impact, yeah. not urgent activities. Uh, and in the time that he had written the book, the amount of distractions that we had was way, way less than what we have today. And right. uh, and what he wrote at that point in time is even more critical today than it was when he wrote about it. Right. And we're still struggling with it. 
Yes, yes. I mean, and the struggle continues and it's getting harder and harder. And I think what we need to teach people to do is how to live in a, live how to work in a digital age. I mean, in a digital world, nothing has prepared us ever in our lifetime for what we're experiencing today in the workplace. And right now, the, the temptations the ongoing temptations and, and the fact that we have to immerse ourselves in the digital world to do our job is, is impacting us so negatively, but we have to learn how to work within this frame because it's not going away and it's going to, you know, hopefully yeah, so, get easier, but so is the temptation going to get stronger. I know. So you also talk about uh, the importance of taking a break in your book. So if you can just elaborate, uh, why is it important to take a break? And is there a, specific way that you can take a break which has the uh, desired impact uh yeah there's some interesting research on that and and um but let me just say when like i said earlier when you're in front of your computer your brain is in focused linear mode it's like trying to do what's next you know i gotta check this email i gotta respond to that i need to look up this and it's a very linear mode if you are in a position where you are strategic in nature and really want to come up with better ideas for your clients and and maybe you're fighting a, a very competitive situation you need to call on the higher your higher level thinking skills and those skills cannot be engaged while you're staring at a computer. They're the skills that they're when your brain steps back and, and moves into um, a different, a totally different way uh, and mode of thinking where you're relaxed and you're doing something else. And then your brain starts making connections with different parts and ideas and thoughts and strategies and, and information that you haven't, you know, pulled together in the past, but, you can't do that staring at a computer. And so, you know, there's a couple of things. Research shows that um, it, the, the top performers, for example, one company whose performance was tracked as Draugium Group, um, their top performers worked for 52 minutes and then took 17-minute breaks. Worked for 52 minutes, took 17-minute breaks. And during those breaks, these top performers didn't just sit at their desk and check out Facebook, you know, or something trivial or mundane they hadn't got to they actually got up they moved some of them exercised they had fun they talked to colleagues they relaxed and during that time their brain actually rejuvenated itself and they would go back and they would have better ideas and they would be much more productive you know so that's how the brain works it needs time off and i would suggest that you know, many people who are listening would probably say that their best ideas come from when they're in the shower, when they're out walking, <laughs> um, you know, when they're driving their car, when, when they're on the train, when they're not doing anything, you know, that is like in front of the computer, but when they're actually pulled away from, from that. And if this is what really is true, this is what our best ideas come from, then we ought to be creating situations during the course of the workday when we can have some of that time to actually process this information so we can be better at our jobs. And I know for me, this sounds really strange, but for me, walking has, is the one thing that really helps me. And it takes me about two miles to get my brain fully into, you know, into total loose mode, but I can come up with very, very profitable strategic ideas in about two miles that I would have never thought of had I been sitting at my desk and forcing myself to figure it out, you know? And so now. Same with me I, as well. Really? 
same with me as well yeah so uh, i go out for a walk in about 3 3 and a half kilometers uh, uh, that i walk uh, then all sorts of ideas uh, come into picture i guess it's it's the kind of time because usually if you walk uh, and if you're walking briskly it's, it's about 20 around the 20th or 25th minute is when yes. uh, you start uh, getting those um, uh, connections uh, the brain makes all those connections in the background and throws up insights and uh, and all of a sudden you are uh, you're talking about uh, interesting ideas interesting combinations um, uh, and the the only challenge that i have is that you know i i don't have anything to sit down and note note down those ideas so i have to keep repeating those ideas to myself by the time i come back home so that i can just make a note of it in a piece of paper or um, or on my laptop i take my i take my cell phone i take my cell phone with and i don't listen to it cuz i want quiet when i'm walking but i record my ideas as they come up and send myself an email when i'm done that's nice that's interesting so yeah, the other just, time when i get a lot of ideas is when i am stuck in traffic yeah I mean, uh, yeah i'm i'm stuck in traffic instead of you know getting angry about uh, someone uh, uh, cutting me off on traffic uh, my body is in auto mode and my mind is actually uh, making uh, some really wild connections between some very uh, different ideas that i had read about and that's the other thing that i have realized is that uh, uh, all my reading that i do all my blogs that i follow all the links that i read i now use feedly and bring all of those into feedly and i i take about an hour time every day to go through all that is there in feedly and that's about it i don't read anywhere else yep see and that's like another way that you uh, technique yes and that it is it's batching it's pulling it's not letting yourself during the course of the day go oh here's an interesting article oh this one just came in and boom down that rabbit <laughs> hole but no you're you're putting them and saying This is Feedly. This is where my good stuff is. I'll check it once a day on my schedule, <laughs> and and <laughs> see if there's anything interesting. And that's what we have to do. That's regaining control um, of our environment so that we can be a top performer, not be a distracted, um, a distracted person who just is worn out. so i think if i if i if i kind of uh, take it a little uh, a level deeper then what all of this means is that you know we need to be absolutely clearly uh, in control of what we want to do uh, which means that you know we need to know what we want to do which means that you know we need to be intentional about what it yeah. is that we want our lives to be i would agree with you 100% and it takes it takes some good figuring to figure that out doesn't it though yeah it does and i think uh, one of the things that uh, i did recently uh, jill uh, inspired by what todd henry did was uh, he had written a post and in his book also he talks about having a personal manifesto um, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, i i actually sat down and thought about um, having a personal manifesto and actually created one and published it on my blog Uh, and now whenever there is a confusion or whenever there is whenever i get tempted to do certain thing uh, which um, vaguely uh, i re- i realize is probably not the right thing to do or maybe i don't understand whether or not it's the right thing to do i go back to my manifesto and see what it says and just decide based on what the manifesto says and that wow. again 
in the last few days that i have done that i can already see so much impact on the way i spend my time uh, the way i spend my focus the sp- the way i spend um, you know um, uh, time online or offline uh, mm-hmm. it's increased tremendously that's cool so let's that's- get back to <laughs> yeah so let's get back to sales right so um, now assuming that you know uh, i'm able to batch my um, tasks i'm able to uh, uh, be intentional in terms of uh, the time that i uh, spend online and uh, on what i do online um, so how does all of this help me uh, increase my sales or increase my pipeline or or be a better sales person Well, first of all, let me just say it gives you more time to sell and do the things that you want to do. I mean, if you had an extra hour a day or two hours a day, you'd have more time to do your work and to be better at it. You could have more time to focus on your own professional development. You could have more time to focus on finding those important things about your customers that can truly make a difference. I mean, so that's one thing that it does give you more time but it also allows you to focus on the quality activities that do make an impact not the things not all the things that have to get done but the things that are most important to you I mean those are some of the things that you know I I focus on in the book and I and I do talk about you know things creating systems and stuff because that's part of saving time too I mean there are different systems we can create as sellers like the prospecting system if you're prospecting a lot then you know a lot of companies have proposal systems um some don't but you know a lot of them do and systems help and anything you can do to you know decrease repetitive tasks again frees you up to work on what matters interesting you also talk about uh, unclogging your pipeline in your book so can you just yeah. explain that a little bit Oh, I I think there's so much crap in most people's pipeline because we like to hope that this is going to happen and that's going to happen and and things are going to come through. But the reality of it is um, so much of what's in the pipeline, nothing ever happens with. And even forecasted deals, I mean, a huge number of forecasted deals um, never close. You know, I think a quarter of them are lost to competition and, you know, a quarter of them are lost to no decision. But I think if we take a look at overall deals in the pipeline no decision is our biggest competitor because it's so hard for customers to make choices and make decisions today just because of the complexity on it and so i think there's a there's a realism that comes when you you know you you say is this really moving you know or not and sometimes it's a function of talking to your customers and finding out really or your potential customers where they are in the buying process and what's preventing them from moving ahead because if somebody is not moving at the typical you know speed or velocity of your normal decisions there's something wrong somewhere usually <laughs> there's something wrong um so taking them out of your pipeline frees up mental energy to mm-hmm. um focus on what matters but let me just say too that by unclogging your pipeline and getting real with yourself you will uncover you'll uncover things common themes i guess common themes is what you'll uncover you'll uncover all these people who might say well we just decided it you know it didn't make sense now it wasn't worth investing in now and if you hear that 
it's a it's a it's an indicator that you don't have perhaps a very strong business case, you know, that would get them to continue to take action. And so it can be used to, to actually become a a topic of study for yourself. Like how can I help people realize the value of our product and service such that they really want to take action, that they're willing to go out of their way to take action and stick their neck out to take action when they have all these other things that they could be doing. Um, you may discover that that they just can't get by and there's just too much disagreement in the organization. It's just stuck. And again, that's an indicator to you that you need to focus on what can you do to help your customers or buyers um, get through these similar stuck points that they commonly have. So to me, if you get real with yourself, not only will you free up time for other things, but you will also, if you're honest and, and are willing to look at what it means, you will also find areas of improvement and where you can create tools, where you can improve your own skills to um, be better and to not have to waste all this time with companies that aren't going anywhere, but focus on companies where it matters where they're willing to go. By the way, let me throw in one other thing. The, the biggest thing I make, think that makes a difference in, you know, if you're looking at that aspect of the sales process in terms of where, what can you do to speed up the sales process is companies who are experiencing what I call trigger events, um, which are changes in their own, their own enterprise, um, in their market segments, in their, um, competitive scenarios in the legislative arena with governmental changes that impact them. Companies who are experiencing change are always much more open to changing from the status quo than those who aren't. And so I would always say, if you're going to be looking at prospects, look for ones who are experiencing change right now, whether it's internal or external to their organization, because that loosens the grip of the status quo. Very interesting. And I think what also uh, uh, helps uh, sales guys, um, um, uh, what could potentially also help is that, uh, you know, if we as sales executives, we are, we are able to reclaim our time. um, And if we show this, uh, 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 to our customers as well, because ultimately the customers are also as busy. And if mm-hmm. we can help them reclaim some of their time, uh, it can actually have a big impact uh, on uh, moving some of these deals which are stuck because of the simple fact that, you know, the guys uh, at the customer end, they, they don't have time to work on um, creating something which they can sell internally or they mm-hmm. don't have time to get together and discuss and decide because of which status quo remains. And I think that is a, uh, is an opportunity, which uh, as uh, sales executives, if we are able to uh, help them and it's not just a one-time help. I mean, of course it helps you speed up your uh, project, uh, uh, but it is time given back to the customer for as long as they continue to use the strategy. And that's very, very, Good investment in the customer. I, I think what you know what most of us don't realize, and and um, is just overwhelm is the is the overarching word facing us as salespeople today. But 
our customers are as overwhelmed as we are. And I, and I first discovered that in, I, um, when I wrote Snap Selling, when I discovered my own customers who actually wanted to work with me were on hold because they were so busy that they couldn't do the work <laughs> that they wanted to do. It's like, whoa, this is a real shock that here they told me they want to do this, but they can't go ahead because they're too busy to go ahead. And it actually sent me on another year of, of studying in terms of how do you deal with crazy busy customers. And that's when I wrote the book Snap Selling, which is all about that aspect of overwhelm, customer overwhelm. But anything we can do to simplify our load for our customers, you know, to make their job easier, to help them get more time in their schedule is huge. It's huge. I know. And so we, we're just about to get, uh, we're getting close to the time that we had. So maybe, you know, a few uh, last few questions. Um, um, so what's the best part of your job? The best part of my job. Um, what I like the most about my job is solving challenging sales problems. And for me, it's the exploration. Like, you know, first I started my Jill's personal productivity project. And then I, when I realized that it wasn't just me, it was like everybody was drowning. Then it became really exciting to find out what would it take to help all these other salespeople around the world um, mm-hmm. regain control of their time and their life. That to me is exciting to be able to dig into the challenge it's like a puzzle that i don't understand you know how do you do this how do you do this the world is changing how do you do this and i love i love that kind of stuff interesting so what's the biggest challenge of your job well the biggest challenge of my job i have a lot of interests and I'm very curious and love to read and learn, which is part of, you know, my strength, why I do my job. But the biggest challenge is I can come up with so many ideas that sometimes it's hard for me to um, sort out and say, you know, which is the ones that would have the biggest impact that I would want to do right now that would make the biggest difference. So I get seduced by my own ideas. (laughs) Interesting. So what's on your bucket list? Iceland. Hmm. Interesting. Why Iceland? It looks like a surreal uh, geography. I mean, I just, I, I take a look at Iceland books on Iceland and it just looks like it's a different world. And to me, I think it would be so much fun to go spend like three weeks trekking around Iceland. Very interesting. So uh, in terms of, um, um, uh, recommendations uh, is there a movie book or a piece of art uh, that you'd like to recommend that uh, outside of your own work <laughs> um wow that that's a tough one i don't know i mean i i read all the time and i love all the books i don't go to a lot of movies Although I did see Hidden Figures, which is a U.S. movie, and I thought that was extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was hidden, hidden movies. Hidden Figures. Movie it's called? about hidden it's figures. About, okay, it's about black women 
who were really smart, who worked for NASA during the space, uh, during the 1960s when the, the U.S. was launching its first um, craft, crafts into outer space. And these women were up against every obstacle. They were women in a men's environment, and they were black women in a southern U.S. Mm-hmm. environment. And they contributed extraordinarily to um, the space program against incredible odds. Very interesting. It was, it was fascinating to me. I mean, it was like everybody in the theater was applauding at the end. Superb. So uh, if you were part of a superhero story, uh, what character would you be? Oh, I've just been watching the X-Files. Uh, X, X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> so that's funny. But um, I'm here. But so you're, you're, you're spinning me in all these other creative directions. But let me just say that I, um, I actually, in my book, I became a superhero. And, and I, I don't know if you had a chance to read that part. But I found that all these little things that I could do to improve my productivity, I felt like I was fighting against it. And I was always saying, Jill, you can't do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. And I'm not really good when I can't do things. Then I just want to do it more. And so I was resisting and I was actually kind of a time, um, time management failure for a long time because I just kept getting mad that I had to restrict myself on everything. And I finally invented a superhero for myself that helped me um, become really good at what I'm doing now. And, and I called it, and I actually spent a lot of time thinking about it because I created, I was trying to create a game that would make me, you know, um, that would make me do this better, but I couldn't create a fun game, but I created a fun superhero called Jill, the time master. And, and she wears a long robe and she's a wise soul. And she comes into her office every morning and she says, now, what is the most important thing we need to get done today, Jill? <laughs> and and then she she just kind of knows and and she sets down and gets to work easily because she's a time master and she knows how to run her day and to make the appropriate decisions. Um, let me just say that I could not have become the time master had I not learned all that stuff first. It was like required for me to understand all the dynamics of my brain and how it worked. But once I moved into time master mode, it was fascinating. Because I no longer was fighting all these little things. I was actually creating new habits with the Time Master, not fighting my old habits. And so it became very, very, very easy for me to walk in and into my office and have an extraordinarily productive day and to leave at the end of the day, too. It was fascinating how becoming that superhero changed me. Yeah, I know how how easy it is to take on a persona and live that persona rather than uh, stay stuck in our own uh, personas and struggle with our uh, uh, challenges. So the show is called Pushing Beyond the Obvious, uh, Jill. So what is so obvious to you today, uh, which, uh, uh, which people miss all the time? Well, I mean, just to, to me, that overwhelm is the biggest issue that we're facing at all right now. And it's driving us nuts. I mean, to me, it's overwhelm. And that's, my brain has been stuck on how can I deal with overwhelm for the last five years. It's so obvious to me. Whether it's customer overwhelm, buyer overwhelm, or, or personal overwhelm, we're not enjoying life like we used to. We're not getting as much done. We're, you know, we're not replenishing ourselves. 
so uh, so one or two things that you want our listeners to uh, go back with and do or stop doing as soon as they finish listening to this who oh, i i really want people to recognize that the distractions are are the number one issue right now and that their their number one goal is above all to minimize the distractions. And I want them to research and find their own way and experiment. And to me, one of the things I've always said is that sales is about experimenting. And so is this. This is about experimenting. How can I get more time back in my day? What can I do? What apps are out there to help me? And it's I'm not talking about quick fixes because I don't believe in quick fixes. I only believe in changing you know, enough to have some substantial impact. I think everybody's looking for the hacks out there. There aren't hacks. There, there's, a, there's a change in how we have to work. And so start with distraction. If you can minimize the distraction, it'll free up your brain power to do it. But experiment along the way. Super. It was, it was a pleasure as uh, expected, Jill, to talk to you. Um, and um, all the very best um, to your book. I am sure that uh, people will uh, like your uh, book uh, uh, as they've liked all your other books. So uh, maybe last, last uh, but not the least, where can people buy the book and where can they reach you? Um, they can buy the book. I, ho- I, I don't know where they can buy it in India. I would assume Amazon because <laughs> uh, it's... it's it, <laughs> It's Amazon. I don't know what else it might be, though. I don't know the distribution there. Um, but certainly in any so online. So Amazon, for sure. Uh, Amazon, Okay, for and sure. where, they can, where can they find you online? Jill Con- JillConrath.com. Best place to find me. Okay. But so the and book is available in to... India as well on Amazon. Yeah. Go on, please. Is it? Okay. The other thing, too, I mean, connect with me on LinkedIn. You know, I'm on LinkedIn. And I have um, almost 300,000 followers on LinkedIn right now. So you can just follow me and keep up to date on what I'm doing. Super. Uh, It was super fun talking to you, Jill. uh, And all the very best for your book. And I look forward to talking to you again sometime very soon. My pleasure. It's great talking to you again, too. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pushing Beyond the Obvious. If you like the show and would like to support please head over to iTunes or wherever you are listening to this show and rate us and write a review. Till next time, have fun.